Blog Talk Radio. Come on in, welcome, 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 welcome. All is a blessing. All is a blessing. But it's another Come back home to Africa. Come back home 
the ethnic group, the family, the group of friends. And these siblings, me and my sister, have a way of communicating. Me and Wapani have a way of communicating without ever opening our mouths and hold a whole conversation <laughs> with others present and, and, and no one understand a word that we're saying. So there is great power in what we say, the ability to create and recreate our reality lies in our mouths. And I would say that it is a, oh, a genetic inheritance, a, a biological inheritance, a spiritual inheritance as indeed children of the most high representatives of, of this great power that we call by, by various names. And again, we want to talk about words and word usage before we settle in on my subject matter today. We have a, a calendar that we acknowledge within ATR, within the tradition. Uh, it's a moon calendar as opposed to the sun calendar that we've been you know, following globally under this present Western um, demonstration. And so there are certain deities, certain Loa, certain Orisha that we invoke systematically by following sort of this calendar system. And today is a day that I would give honor and respect and, and, and do feed to Sagbo and Bade. We know them in Voodoo as Sakbo and Bade. They have many of the same or similar, I should say, similar characteristics as Shango and Oya. And many of you are acknowledging Shango and Oya today. I want to add another spirit, lesser known Voodoo Loa, Agagu. It's a very violent god. Earth tremors and the frightening sounds associated with storms are associated with Aigayu. The trances induced, the mounting induced in a ceremony by Aigayu are violent. There have been deaths associated with his brutality. And when one is mounted by Aigayu, one attempts to imitate the sounds of thunder and tremors. If they are strong enough to utter sounds under possession, the possessed person keeps repeating phrases like, it is I who am the gunner of God. When I roar, the earth tremors. It is said that when the earthquakes happen and the earth tremors take place, that Igayu is angry. And those who are strong enough to keep him in their bodies under a possession are puffing with all their strength and, and sputtering with all their might to contain such a violent and powerful storm. Aigayu is a companion partner to Sogbo. And Sogbo is also commonly associated in Voodoo with Bade. Bade, the wind. And so they act together to create and we often say fire, but, but really it's uh, Shango's father, who's more associated with the element of fire. I I have been taught, and I see Shango as more electromagnetism, static electricity, 
the manner in which electricity moves through our bodies and through our through the earth and through our consciousness to sort of uh, fine tune, if you will, our our frequencies to our present moment in time space. Indeed, we all jump when we feel and hear and see the association of, of thunder and lightning and wind um, in association. And, of course, in their more extreme demonstrations, um, there might be a bit of fear. And non-ATR practitioners, non-Voodoo practitioners don't, don't quite get Oriki in, in Yoruba, don't quite get praise names, don't quite get this sort of uh, amalgamation, if you will, of chant, mantra, prayer, rhythm, breathing that's associated with the Riki or Riki or the telling, retelling or calling of the names of, of these powers. And so when we look at Christianity, for instance, Elohim, El Shaddai, Adonai, Yahweh, you, you have various names which, which vibrated at different frequencies, different mathematical equations, but at its most basic level represent the various demonstrations, if you will, of God. And so we chant various names, various oriki that chant or vibrate a code, if you will, with a certain power, with a certain uh, natural force that we systematically connect with every four days under this moon cycle that we that we uh, move through in ATR tradition. So I wanted to talk a little bit today, and I kind of caught my cousin off guard just a little bit, because we did talk about show topics, and, and I have a show topic that we're going to bring uh, on the next show that we uh, shared in, in chat. But I really wanted to talk about magic and the supernatural in the African-American slave culture and society. Because, again, we are sort of taught that – I'm going to sing a little bit of Erica Badu. They don't know their language. They don't know their God. They take what they give even when it's hard. Some of y'all know the song, you know. And so we believe that, at least for the last 100 years, 200 years, we believed that we didn't have a God, didn't have a past, didn't have an ethnicity outside of black, outside of property and shadow at, at one point, shadow at one point in our history. But the idea that we lost our God, our spirit connection, our, our power because of enslavement, we now understand it's a misnomer. It's not in, it's a relative truth, but it's not an absolute truth. And so, indeed, our practices, our traditions had to go underground. And often in many of the materials that we find uh, in terms of going through archives and books, you know, to, to pull up some of the subject material that I bring to you, uh, we always have to remember who wrote the book, who wrote the document. I'm going to pull a little bit today from... Mara McNamara, 
And this paper was written for History Court, Transformation of the Witch of American Culture. The course was taught by Professor Carol Carrison in the winter of 2010. But I found it to be very interesting. Um, some of you know me and my proclivities and my uh, <laughs> issues in the, with word usage and, and that voodoo is not witchcraft, voodoo is not magic. But often, again, when you go back in these documents, go back in time in these documents, 50 years, 100 years, you're often going to see word usage and word language that have evolved that we don't use today um, and might have still that taint of white supremacy and racism on it. And although historians have previously explored the role of magic in the African-American culture, the most specific question of how slaves defined supernatural agency from their own perspective has really yet to be investigated. The purpose of the research is to examine slave folklore and personal testimonies about the paranormal to ascertain the beliefs and practices of supernaturalism among enslaved people in the antebellum American South. Analyzing how those sources portray instances of bewitchment, voodooism, and spiritual possession, the author assesses their impact on the slave experience. Furthermore, investigating the inconsistency between evil spirits, inhabitants of slave individuals, cited in oral histories with the protective and healing conjuration activities attributed to slaves in the secondary sources. While folk tales cite victimization by voodoo or bewitchment as punitive measures and former slave interviews depict fear affiliated with presumed witches and spirits, Supernatural practitioners were highly regarded within their communities. Thus, in evaluating how slaves understood supernatural, the author seeks to reconcile its negative connotations within a culture that simultaneously embraced magical practices. Because while we were being Christianized at, at one point in, in the history, the timeline of enslavement, um, and, and having our connection to root culture and root tradition sort of being crushed and suppressed, um, the greater community, the uh, oppressor, the, the white community, was indeed experimenting and exploring and enjoying um, hoodoo and seances and connecting uh, to spirits for their benefit, and indeed would come to our community, particularly right here in Historic Tremaine, particularly right here in Lafitte, particularly right here in Iberville, particularly right here in the French Quarter, they would indeed cross Rampart Street and come into this community and find and experience many practitioners who didn't have big names, who didn't have big titles, who weren't popularized to the degree that Marie Laveau was, but indeed, in many cases, predated, were predecessors to Marie Laveau and, and Voodoo, 
as we now know it in New Orleans, but also were contemporaries practice alongside her within the community at the same time, indeed, as, as she, she did. Much has been written about the African-American religious experience that highlights the importance of magic in slave culture. And these de- sources demonstrate that practices associated with spirit worship were indeed incorporated into the slaves' daily routines such as healing rituals, conjuration practices, and, of course, religious veneration. However, the question of how slaves actually perceive spiritualism is rarely addressed. Historians have been more inclined to examine the creation of a distinct slave religion, structured in part by their lost heritage and in part by their new world experiences. To that end, researchers have interpreted slave narratives and music, missionary records, and folk tales to understand our slave theology and its function in the community. And despite the number of books published in this particular era, no single, no single work provides a definitive view of slave religion, probably because the topic is too broad and complex to address in a single book. And historians who have attempted this feat have actually narrowed their scope, resulting in an emphasis on one feature of slave culture while perhaps overlooking others. Thus, this work focuses on religion in relationship to spirit in the slave society of the Southern American state in order to deduce what slaves believed about the spiritual world. Because it's one thing to say, you know, we didn't have books. We weren't book writers and authors of that time. Of course, if no one, you know, within the community tells the story, it's then left up to those outside of the, the community to either overlook our story or, in many cases, misrepresent the story. I would also like to sort of, as always, give a sort of a result-oriented foundation to this discussion in terms of how how these practices and traditions and belief systems continue to support us here today. And not only support us here today, but are gaining great popularity and, and, and levity as we continue to move forward, you know, technologically, uh, intellectually, spiritually. Hola, Mama. Greetings, beloved. Como estas, Mommy? Welcome for being a part of the show today. Greetings, Kevin Brooks and uh, Far Eye for Life. Lena, greetings, beloved. Evelyn, welcome so much. Kayla Talk, thank you so much. Aboshishe, Ashe. And of course, my cousin. The beloved Oye Ifa Wole. Hola, David. Greetings, beloved. All is a blessing. Thank you so much for sharing your time, indeed, in the middle of the day, to be a part of this powerful broadcast with me, this powerful podcast at high noon U.S. Standard Time. Of course, um, we're still learning sort of how to move this show forward. 
And I may be talking a little bit too much, too early in the show. And, and I've got to find a better way to sort of bring you in and integrate your message, your spirit, your offering, you know, for each day that we do broadcast. So, indeed, I want to give you an opportunity to speak for yourself, to, to represent yourself, to um, share what spirit might lay, what Oludamare and, and, and Olofi might lay on your heart um, at, any, at any given day to bring uh, to the oil. It also allows me time to catch up with the chat mm-hmm. and the background activity. Well, first, I want to just greet everybody. Uh, we greet each other a good word, really, after she said, um, Alasia, uh, peace. And so um, I greet everybody in peace. Uh, as my cousin has said, uh, my name Aloya uh, Fuguale I am a student of Oma, Ifek Bene Kashev from Soma. Uh, the founder of Ile Allah Orisha Temples. Uh, so I'm grateful uh, for the opportunity to come and to both share and, of course, learn uh, from all of you. Uh, we're doing this together, so I'm grateful to have always the opportunity to keep open mind, open heart, open spirit to continue my learning and growing and evolving, as well as hopefully share something that would be beneficial to each and every one of you uh, in your growth spiritually and, and in anything, whatever practices that you do. Um, I do try to come from a very universal perspective as much as I can on everything and a very practical perspective on everything that I can. And so that it just doesn't get so much into, uh, you know, and I wanted to go more into how we can practically use the things that we are, are learning in these traditions to be a major part of our everyday life. As we know, these, these traditions are not just a, it's not a religion. Religion is a man-made entity with their own laws and rules and such. But it's spirituality that trumps it all. And that then manifests into our lifestyle, into our everyday way of being. So... Um, I'm grateful that, that my cousin has allowed me the opportunity to come and do this with him. Uh, you know, not everybody is open to, to have somebody come and share and do a part, but I'm so honored and I'm so grateful for him for just giving me the opportunity to come and to be a part uh, with you all. All of us make up the show together. Ashe, oh, give thanks. And I invite you, please, if you will, you can visit and share with us on my blog, talk radio page. Um, I was trying to get that into the chat at the top of the hour. And, of course, things don't always quite go the way you expect them to when you're trying to type in the chat and start the show and click buttons at the same time, but you could call us at 845-277-9143. Okay. It's cutting off my message on some platforms. So I'm happy to really break it down. 
845-277-9143. You can also visit the show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash the hyphen divine hyphen prince. And you must put those little hyphens, those dashes in there in order for it to uh, pull up the correct URL show page. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. My last message cut off my StreamYard link. So please, we invite you to join us, co-host with us here, live on screen with your webcam and and microphone, but you could also visit us by way of uh, Blog Talk Radio and participate. Um, just be patient with me on Blog Talk Radio. Sometimes it takes a moment for me to scan over to that tab and see that people might be waiting. Uh, so, and always remember to press the number one on your telephone keypad, and I will be more than happy to unmute your mic and bring you in. So I think I've gotten the office work out of the way. So I want to share a little bit more. The first scholar to investigate the origins of magic in the African-American slave culture was Albert Robito, who documented his findings in Slave Religion, the Invisible Institution in the Antebellum South. He argues that the African styles of worship, ritual forms, and beliefs have survived in North America because of the openness of the religions to synchronization with other traditions. He explained how aspects of African culture, such as spiritual possession and other magical folk beliefs that can be interpreted as supernatural, were carried to North America through the Atlantic slave trade. He then traced how these original African notions of spirituality were incorporated into slave society and maintained despite convergence to Christianity. Roberto was the first to analyze folklore, slave narratives, and missionary records in an attempt, in an effort to understand the breadth of slave religion and how the gods of Africa gave way to the god of Christianity by examining these sources. He successfully articulates the relationship between the natural and supernatural in slave religion. This focused on the intersection of slave culture, African heritage with their new faith, however, led him to overlook practices that contradict Christianity. Robito neglected to discuss how conjuration and Buddha beliefs about wandering souls and guardian spirits directly opposed the monotheism espoused by the church. By demonstrating how newfound Christianity and African traditions merged harmoniously into a creative and unique slave religion, Robito ignored contradictory spiritual beliefs that provided a limited analysis of magic in slave society. And indeed, we know anything that gave us power, anything that could be misinterpreted or miswritten as fearful or frightful 
you know, would of course have been eliminated from our language and our outward demonstration of sacrifice. Even though, even though Big Mama and Big Papa, you know, grew, cared for, and harvested all the food, you know, on, on these plantations, still the idea of blood sacrifice for its ritual purpose would not be accepted and written into law uh, until modern times, uh, in, in recent modern times. So anything that could be conceived as scary, anything that could uh, appear to give us an, an outward demonstration of power, and, of course, anything that uh, directly opposed or contradicted uh, Christianity was either uh, stamped out or, indeed, forced to go underground. So we, when we look into the black spiritualist churches, when we look into the, the old Southern Baptist church, when we look at the present-day evangelical ministries, uh, turn the volume down, change the language, you know, to take the, the, the magical book out of the equation, and, and you're still looking at and observing a voodoo ceremony to, to a great degree. It's just a matter of our, our perception and our understanding. I'm a believer in magic. Let me be clear. I'm a believer in magic. I've seen it. I've witnessed it. I know it when I see it. I know it when I feel it. The hairs on my arms stand up straight, you know, but I'm also aware that there are active components to our life, to our, to our world, uh, to include COINTELPRO that would otherwise dilute bastardize, if not destroy, our connection to these more organic, natural uh, ATR traditions, if they indeed can't control it, can't own it themselves. So if they can own it, if they can use it, if they can benefit from it, great. It, it, it'll live on, but, but under someone else's control, domination, and influence. But, but if that can't happen, then it's destroyed. Then it's wiped out. And this is a practice that we've seen for at least the last uh, six or 700 years uh, throughout the world. So it's important that people like myself and, and cousin and those of you who are here, who are listening, who are watching, who are participating, that you be bold in your demonstration. You be truthful in your demonstration. You be organic in your demonstration. You be authentic in your demonstration. And we dare not have another generation rise up to 15, 16, 17 years old, 18 years old, 20 years old, and say that their parents didn't teach them anything about this, and say that their parents didn't share the truth of this with them and with their progeny. Indeed, with the technology that we have today, indeed with this information superhighway, Indeed, with the ability to connect with authentic practitioners in the tradition by way of technology, the world continues to get smaller. We shouldn't have another generation. Your children, those of you listening to me right now, who are raising children, who have children to to come, there's no reason that your children should ever say what many of you have said, which is that you sensed that it was in your family, but no one talked about it. No one passed it down. No one instructed on, on the, you know, demonstration. So I'm grateful to have that opportunity, that platform, uh, for those who appreciate 
uh, my demonstration. And I also appreciate having my cousin here, um, not just because we have so many things in common, uh, but because we, we have our own lane. We have our own opinion. We, we have our own direction in which we're moving, you know, in the universe. So I, I welcome diversity to the show. Greetings, um, Orisha Beloved. Many of you know I've been welcoming diversity to the show for months now. But um, I wanted qualified co-hosts and representatives and speakers on the show. And so, indeed, um, Inner uh, Consciousness Live TV. Okay, somehow you are... Okay, I got it. You're also in the chat. Mm-hmm. Okay. I had a temporary brain freeze. I'm good now. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. Is it too? No. I said, okay, wait a minute. He's in the chat. Yeah, so magic still exists. The supernatural still exists. Today, right now, in this divine moment in time space. And, in, and on a day like, Ostashango. Um, it it takes me back always to the first time I received a thunderstone naturally. Out in nature when I say naturally. And I was at a place that at that time in my knowledge of the tradition, I thought, you know, I, I'm looking for Mami Wata and Yimmy Ya and, and Oshun and so I'm in the water in, in Southern California. We were at the beach and I love to collect shells and oddities of, of nature that you find, you know, in the sand, you know, on the beach. And we're in the water, and this thunderstone floats to me. It's black, thunderstone, uh, about this size. It, it smelled burnt. It smelled molten. Um, but it didn't necessarily have wood patterns in it. So we never were clear as to, to where it came from. It, it very well may have been um, I Gone You, and it could have been spewed up in Hawaii and then washed up in the ocean and, and made its way to the, to the beach of California. But it's the first time I encountered a thunderstorm. Mm. Uh, that much I was clear on, that, that it was a thunderstorm, that it was a gift from, from Shango, that it was a gift from the spirit. And it really was my motivating factor for wanting to to get into, at that time, Santeria, um, and then learn other paths within the tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, I can recount stories that I've had with Loa, that I've had with Orisha, and I'm sure many of you under the sound of my voice can, can probably do so as well. Of course, it's always the dream that they speak to in us. And um, cousin, I always teach that, you know, we all have a unique and individual spirit language in which the Most High speaks to us in. So everybody's dream symbolism is not going to be the same. I know there are dream books out there that say if you dream about fish, somebody pregnant. You know, my grandmother used to say that. But we all don't have the same relationship to fish. Because, you know, we all don't have the same inner symbolism in terms of communication with, with spirit. So I've always stressed journaling, you know, not just experiencing, you know, the dreams, but going out of our way to find uh, time to stop, preferably right after you wake up, and record what you remember. 
record what you feel, you know, and, and spirit indeed does speak to us, you know, in dreams. But I like magic that shows up in the real world, right in your face, you know, right where, you know, people can see, others can see, others can witness, you know, and, and I live for a day and a time where we walk freely in, in Western society as it is and be proud to represent our tradition, um, not just to represent the botanica. You know, I, I like to pick at the botanicas because not that there's a problem with the botanicas. I have botanica, many botanicas. Everybody has a botanica, you know, on, online now. But the products that are being sold often don't support the authenticity and the reality of the tradition. You, you know what I'm saying? Just because it's a spray aerosol can with an Indian head on it, you know, that doesn't make it magical. You know, mm-hmm. uh, unto itself, uh, the molds that people go in there and buy for eschew, you know, and leg bun, and have no idea that it, you know, something else must be added to that, you know, must be included in that. Um, candles and, and sort of our association to candles and what appears on the outside of the candle, particularly now that anyone can pull up a program on their computer and put any image that they want on a candle. So we overlook intent. We, we overlook, you know, and, and somebody mentioned the word yesterday, I never got a chance to get around to it, uh, the placebo effect. And listen, I understand what the placebo effect is from a scientific perspective. We're going to give you the real vaccine, and we're going to give the other person sugar water, and, mm-hmm. you know, and then monitor your, your symptoms and your behavior. I want to make it clear. I understand what placebo effect is. That's not what I'm talking about. We're talking about intent. Intent. And just like in the 12-step program, they say, uh, you know, choose a higher power, and your higher power don't necessarily have to be God. So I know people who, who are in the, in the program, AA and NA and, and, and whatnot, who uh, the biggest tree in their community is their higher power. The biggest rock at the ocean front is their higher power. So I understand what placebo effect is, but I see that as being very different than the power of intent, mm-hmm. the power of intent. So we can will what we want into our reality. We also will what we don't want by over-focusing on it, giving it energy, repeating it. You know, when we say, oh, I can't trust anybody, your, your world has to demonstrate that. When you say, oh, you know, I'm never going to be better than what I am, the world has to resonate with, with that. So the power of what we say, what we speak, particularly today when people have such easy and ready uh, access to, you know, Bing and Google and, and books and, and material the power of really understanding what we say and, and doing that and authenticity indeed can create the environment for magic and, and for us to experience magic, you know, in, in our daily lives. And indeed, science can look like magic. Nature indeed can look like magic. I think I've talked about that before in previous shows. You know, I'm not talking about Hollywood magic, but, you know, Really life-changing, life-grounding, 
life-renewing, you know, results, things that really pay off from day to day as we make our way through, through this reality, through, through this world. And, again, there's no reason for any of us that are in this chat right now, that are listening to me right now, to have another generation come behind us who can say that they didn't know, they weren't taught, they weren't educated, that there's no avenues for African-Americans to uh, assess a con or, or Yoruba culture or, or airway culture. And, and, and both of us are witnesses that that's not true, that that's not true. Uh, there's also a, a, a mistruth that we don't like Africans and Africans don't like us. Again, I understand why that is a relative truth, but it's not an absolute truth. And in my experience, um, I've had very positive experiences with continent-born Africans. They, they appreciate my look. They appreciate my style. They appreciate my commitment, you know, to their culture and their tradition. And often they don't expect that from us. They don't expect people to, like my cousin to be able to roll that Yoruba off their tongue, you know, so naturally and, and so organically. And, and many of us can. And, and it's not that we slow, <laughs> you know. Some of us are airway. Some of us are Akan. Some of us are Igbo. And, and, and just haven't settled in, you know, to, to our ethnic place as of yet. But some of us are indeed uh, Yoruba. And I have a great degree of, of Nigeria and, and, and Nigerian blood in my Ancestry.com. Uh, but I have a great deal more uh, Ghanaian in my Ancestry.com. I don't know about you, beloved, but I have a great degree more. So I, I acknowledge the, the ethnic, ethnic groups that carry with our ancestral connections in you know, Nigeria, to include Yoruba. And I often teach from Yoruba because it is the most pro- prolific, the, the easiest, accessible, the most amount mm-hmm. of books, the most amount of elders that I can refer people to, you know, who are authentic in the tradition. Um, but I have a great deal of other ethnic groups that stand, stand up. Now, y'all, mm-hmm. please, please forgive me. I just told a lie. My number one ethnic country is Nigeria, 38%. And then Cameroon, Congo, Western Bantu, Benin and Togo, Ivory Coast, Mali, in that order, and Senegal, and, and with uh, descending amounts of, of blood connection. But my, my, my number one country is indeed Nigeria. But mm-hmm. there are so many ethnic groups in historic Nigeria and in Nigeria even as it is today that mm-hmm. we um, that we don't acknowledge in our in our traditions that we don't acknowledge. Um, S. Marie uh, wasp dropped nest on my porch right before people attacked me in some way. Mm-hmm. I wonder what to do with them. Um, I'm about to reveal my secret live on air. Um, hold on to them. <laughs> hold on to them. Uh, I hold on to them. Uh, of course, I make sure that they're not infested, and usually they, they aren't. I don't know if it's something in the material uh, that the wasp excretes 
that that creates sort of that cocoon. So I've never seen, you know, maggots or any other insects come out of them. But make sure, make sure there ain't a spider hiding in it. But I save them. I save them. And I keep them in jars. And when I'm going through battle, when I'm going through conflict with people, when I feel that sense of, of, of attack, I pull out those, those wasp nests. And, of course, I got a process that I'm not going to go into great detail with, you know, about what I do with them. And, and send me an email, Esmarie. We, we can talk about that. But, yeah, I would hold on to them. Um, there are not many things in nature that are not useful, that I don't find a way to hold on to, um, that I don't recycle in, in, in some kind of way. So, yeah, I hold on to that. Um, another thing that I hold on to is bird's nests, and bird's nests are not as easy to come by as people might think, but when I do have one that's abandoned, within reach, somehow falls to the ground, um, I pick that up. We also have moss, Spanish moss that just grows and hangs from the trees in New Orleans. It's one of the things that makes us a distinctive city. I think Savannah might have moss as well, but that's one of the things that make us distinctive. And so I also hold on to that. It's a great product for uh, binding both negative and positive energy, depending on how it's um, how it's utilized. Uh, cousin, if you want to say something, just jump in when you're ready. Someone is asking, <clears throat> can we elaborate on taboos? that come up in reading. Oh, this is, this is a good one for you. Can you elaborate for me on taboos that come up in the readings and the importance of them? I often Absolutely. find, give me just a second, I often find that I have to explain that because many people that come for readings, as I'm sure is the case with you, aren't familiar with fa, afa, ifa at all. So they don't get that they're proverbs that there are taboos, that there are instructions, that there's homework, that there are ebos that, that come with Odu. So please elaborate on taboos that come up in the reading and the importance of them. That's a wonderful question, so I thank you for the question. Uh, when we do the animation, when we do readings, we come up and we have what we call Odu Ifa, right? Odu Ifa are the books and scriptures of Ifa. In uh, 256 uh, books, per se, Odu uh, in Ifa, with multiple, uh, multiple um, verses, can vary according to family, according to geography, uh, according to the expression of the tradition uh, from where they have grown from. Lenny. It's a fluid. Huh. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I call that lineage. Oh, yeah, I call it's that a, lineage, depending on the lineage. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So it's a fluid, a fluid practice. So in the Odisha, we have various uh, um, various um, medicines, various things that come out. Because of so many years, as we know, Odisha predates any of the Abrahamic traditions. Then, through the experiences of the Babalaos or the people who have come before, 
it's all by experience that has already happened as to what works, what might not work. So when it says that this taboo is there, the taboo says that somebody had already lived this life and they, the, the prophet, maybe Arumina, said, ah, this particular scripture came up, verse came up, Odu came up and says, in this particular one, you should not be like eating corn. It's going to tell you in the script, in the verse, uh, the Babalao said that this person was made to do this, this evil or was told not to do this thing. The person refused to listen and do, and such, in some verses it will say, if this person would have listened, he would have been uh, doing things or more healthy or more this or more that if he would have listened to what was told to him in this whole group. So the, the taboos, maybe a taboo would be this particular food. The food might not be a good alignment for your constitution. So that food that they tell you not to eat is because in your constitution, it's not going to do well for you. Even if you don't feel sick from eating it, in your constitution, it says this is not going to be in alignment. Now, for some, because they don't have maybe orisha that they are initiated to or received, in some uh, orisha that, that are, are there, there's different foods that you should not be eating because it aligns with that orisha. Maybe there's a sea deity, an ocean deity, that says there's no person that should be eating fish. Why? Because that fish is that which is in that body. And then you're eating part of the, the orisha that's manifested within you. So therefore, they say taboo is don't eat fish. You are maybe oloku, maybe you're oshu, maybe you're yamoya. Whichever one it might be, don't do this. Right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes the taboo says that if you do this, it's disrespectful to elders. Maybe it says that this could make you sick, and it has been making you sick over the years. And when you stop eating it, then maybe it takes a little while, but you'll see health improvements. You'll see mental health improvements. You'll see various improvements in relationships and different things. Because in these, these uh, taboos, it gives you the medicine to make life better. So that's a very brief and basic, uh, you know, definition of the taboos without going too, too deep mm-hmm. and giving too many examples. The taboos for us are extremely important. And when you go up into various areas, you go and maybe you receive your hand it starts giving you the taboos. It's a discipline, too. It's an extreme, it's a discipline, a self-discipline that says, man, I like eating this. But because Ifa said this is not, you can't eat it for right now, are you going to ignore what Ifa said and then go and eat it anyway? Or are you going to listen, humble yourself, and discipline yourself to listen and not do that? So that, and then you start seeing changes because you're disciplining yourself, but you're showing Ifa that you're willing to sacrifice that which he had told you. So now sacrifice, a lot of times we, we constitute sacrifice 
with the animals and all that. And that's not the first sacrifice. The first sacrifice is the changing of thought and then the changing of behavior. And some of us might struggle with some of the things or aspects of the sacrifice, but those two things alone in the beginning of sacrifice is the sacrifice within yourself. Then all of the other areas of sacrifice will then manifest even to a greater extent because you've disciplined yourself to listen to Ifa and to follow the guidance and wisdom of Ifa. So I hope that begins to answer. There's so much more to it, but sacrifice. Humble yourself to listen. Humble yourself to discipline yourself. Follow the taboos because there might be more to it than what meets the eye. And when it happens and you start seeing the changes in your life because you discipline yourself not to maybe eat this or do this behavior or break this taboo, because taboos cross the line. They cross the gamut. They cross the gamut into behavior. They cross the gamut into food. They cross the gamut into just about everything in life. Places that you should places that you should and should not go, certain, yes. certain uh, extremes of, of weather that you should avoid, you know, uh, otherwise less, you know, some, you know, Osobo or EB become you, mm-hmm. you know. So, I- indeed, it's, it's a, a universal thing in ATR tradition. But for those yes. who are not familiar, we, we say fa in airway or in fine. Uh, the Igbo say afa, so you'll often hear me interchangeably say fa or, or ifa, and people have been programmed to see those as two, you know, almost contradictory things, mm-hmm. when they're indeed cousins, siblings, mm-hmm. you know, of the same source. They both derive that 256 Odu system from Ile Ife. Mm-hmm. You know, and one became what we today associate with voodoo, and and one became what we associate today with with Yoruba Ifa, and one became what we associate today with with the Igbo Afa, you know, and, and so on. So that that's a universal concept, and I like mm-hmm. to call it homework. Uh, are we willing mm-hmm. really to do the homework to gain access to the to the power, the energy, the response, the result that we might seek? you know, at, at any given time. And how do you and your house, you know, approach timing? Often in the demonstration, in the divination itself, um, there's some idea of, of timing that, that's set out. But but I often find that it's very different than how um, how many clients who come who don't have a connection to the tradition, who, who don't have a connection to the religion, how they view timing. Um, how do you address that? How do you explain to a person that, again, there may be work, ebo, sacrifice, homework that might need to be accomplished to sort of meet, you know, a, a narrow, focused-in result that a person might be seeking at any given time? It's just basically to me it's explanation and then giving opportunity for their own, you know, their own choice. Um, I share with them the importance of 
Listen, in this Odu, it says in order for this thing to manifest appropriately and in the best way possible for you, then this is what it is that they would like, to, the Orisha would like to do to give the spiritual power for this to manifest. Ifa wants this, Oshun wants this, maybe Shango wants this, Ogu wants this. And with these things, then you'll start seeing changes happening that you desire to have. Usually within 30 days, you want to make sure that you do the, um, the offering. If possible, you do it sooner than that. You can do it as early as. This is what Ifa says. What, what, is, what, what is it that you would like to do? Would you like to do the, the Ebola? You know, would you like to get this done? Especially those are outside of tradition because, you know, it's almost like they feel sometimes that people be forcing and forcing and forcing this on them. And some of them just are not prepared, even though it's in their best interest. And for some, if they have a small Ebola that has to be done, to be honest with you, I might go ahead and do it for them. Mm-hmm. so that they are blessed with the, a, a positive outcome. I've done it for many. Positive outcome from it. I don't tell them that I did it. I do it and, and try to make it so that, you know, a lot of it is experience. If they have good experience in their reading and good experience in being introduced to the tradition, you have more than a, a, a good likelihood that they're going to come back. And mm-hmm. if they didn't do it this first time, by the second and third time, they're like, uh, yeah, I want to I wanna get this, all of this right. done and even be looking to go further into the tradition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I often find that that is rooted in ancestors. Mm-hmm. You know, I often say, for lack of a better word, that I don't, I don't sell, I don't market, I don't promote. The mm-hmm. ancestors sell themselves. So if I can get people, ooh, excuse me, if I can get people to at least commit to ancestors, your ancestors, Getting mm-hmm. real about that, authentic about that. Uh, mm-hmm. The rest generally generally follows. The rest generally yeah. comes behind. It's also at that point that you uh, begin to realize who's ready to really let go of uh, Western religious ritual and really embrace who they are out in the open. Um, because I'm still conflicted with the notion of people, you know, sort of still keeping Ifa somehow in the closet. Uh, it, it's a secret, you know. It, it, and I don't mean the violation of the mystery, you know, the, the initiatory processes. But I mean, having done so and then still sort of remaining invisible, you know, in the world, in the face of three dominant traditions that most people assume everyone else is, is a party of. Um, people still look at me and assume that I'm Rasta or assume that I might be a Muslim. They, they assume everything except voodoo or, or, or Ifa and wearing banners, wearing elekis. Oh, okay, that, that makes it easier to some degree, but as I was trying to share early in the show, you know, people are buying them from the Botanica. And so it's become, you know, a fashion statement. It's become a look. Um, it's become a way for some young people to at least acknowledge uh, an interest in, a curiosity in these root traditions. But until we start building elays, houses, communities, 
helping each other, sharing with, with each other, feeding with, with each other. Um, we're not going to build the foundation we need to really uh, continue to fight against, you know, the overt oppression of these other systems and to see ATR, you know, grow. Um, during the pandemic, I've been blessed, um, mm-hmm. blessed beyond measure. And so with the help of the city and the help of my community, um, I've gotten food, produce, milk, lentils, meat, you know, all kind of substance to sort of survive. And particularly during that time um, when Walmart trucks wasn't rolling and there was no dairy products on the shelf and and so on. And I have a deep freezer. So Mm -hmm. I've been blessed. But let me tell you how hard it is to give some of that away, how hard it is to share some of that. Um, It's harder than you might, uh, you know, imagine. Um, So we've got to find a way to bring ourselves, bring this practice, bring the magic, bring tradition out of the closet. Um, And, again, I'm not suggesting that we violate codes, but out of the closet in terms of, you know, you're filling out that job application. Why are you still checking Christian? Why are you still checking Catholic? Why are you still checking Islam while you're seeking Loa, seeking Orisha, seeking traditions that indeed are in line with an ethnic cultural footprint? And, beloved, I want you to help me to speak to that because that's one of the things that I think still remains quiet in, in this world of paganism and witchcraft and, and, and spiritual dem- demonstrations, the fact that there indeed is an ethnic footprint to these traditions. Because then that you brings know, race into the conversation. Right. You know, one of the things that I find is that every step I take, every word that I speak, every breath that I take, every action is so the first thing of somebody seeing me is seeing how I am moving about in my everyday life. When people see me, I have to be that representative of Ifa that allows for people to see our tradition in a positive light. And once they see it in a positive light, since they don't know what Ifa is, they already have a preconceived notion of what this, that, or the other thing is. And then when you speak to them, and you can speak to them intelligently, logically, and with honor and respect and good iwa, they begin to see differently of what the tradition is. And then when they do that, they begin the process of asking questions. When they begin the process of asking questions, if you give them answers that are are, um, truthful, but yet, you know, you are sharing with them on the level that they are, and you can easily make comparisons. When we do this, 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 and this, maybe in your tradition it's this and this, but we do it like this, this, and this. Once you're truthful to them, they begin to even have deeper thought and inquire more. How many times, cousin, do you have people that come and say, something just keeps drawing me to this, my ancestors keep drawing me to this, something keeps drawing me to this tradition. 
Well, that's great. But then it is then how you introduce it to them in the reading. Some readings come in a deep, and the messages are like, but then you have to find a way to be like saying the truth, don't lower the message, but to be able to find a gentle way to give them the message so that it doesn't totally just turn them off, but it helps them to see, i got to make certain changes. They're going to be important for my life to get even better. It's really about those of us who are already walking that path and that journey, for people to watch and see our lives as an example for that which we would like for them to to uh, to manifest in their own life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes it's a challenge, beloved. <laughs> sometimes it's a challenge and a struggle. And and the time I've had to increase the uh, assumed time, the approximate time for my consultations, you know, for people before they actually do the reading, you want to give them an idea of how long they're going to be sitting with you. Right. Uh, I've had to increase that because I have to educate and re-educate. I I find Mm -hmm. it very difficult to understand people who give readings, give services, but don't educate. Mm -hmm. So you ask people, well, what happened and what did you do? And, And they don't know what it's called and they don't know what processes were done. They just know that they spent money. They just yeah. know they went looking to somebody uh, for help. And, again, it comes back to how committed are you to really taking on this power, this tradition, mm-hmm. this history as a lifestyle, as opposed mm-hmm. to still interacting with, with these traditions, much like Hollywood, you know, seeking remedies. You know, for your finances, remedies for your love, you know, gree-gree, you know, Mm -hmm. ritual work, you know, as opposed to really stepping into the tradition. Now, there are people in this audience right now, um, godchildren of mine, who have taken it on, husband and wife, children, grandchildren. You know, they are determined that their family and their next generation is not going to go into it with the same Christianized, Islamicized chain mm-hmm. that, that have held us for so many uh, centuries. And mm-hmm. so it, it's a challenge. I think we need to decide to some degree, are we here to not only represent Ifa and represent Voodoo now and in the present, but are we representing an Ifa and a Voodoo that will survive for the future, in, for the future as, as legitimate as, as authentic. I, I'm sure there will forever be tarot cards. Uh, tarot cards probably will never disappear. They, they will continue to evolve as, as they have done. Mm-hmm. But it, it has no root to cultural specific connection. That's true. This, you know, as the world gets smaller, as the world continues to integrate, as, as we continue to mix blood, we, we are often losing our history, losing who came before, losing the information, you know, of time. And, and we're leaving it to science to discover. You know, we're leaving it to science and archaeologists, you know, to later explain, you know, to the next generation. It, mm-hmm. It's never lost on me. Um, I'm looking for the right word. It's never lost on me the, the power 
even the reality of what anyone listening to me right now, the sound of my voice, can leave in the archive that will survive us in a way that did not exist, you know, when we were young or in previous generations. These hard drives, these discs, these internet conversations will outlive many of your great great grandchildren. Absolutely. So I say you just in the way. Yeah, you just in the web. It's there forever. Yeah, so use it wisely. Use use it to demonstrate a footprint of what these traditions really are. Document your magic. Document your connection, mm-hmm. you know, to spirit. But be true to it. Let, mm-hmm. Let's be authentic to it. That's right. My phone lines are still available at 845-277-9143. And I'm not going to force anybody to talk today because I do have appointments. I have people uh, waiting uh, even to get into the house. So, um, don't feel pressured, beloved cousin, to, you know, fill out a whole two hours. I would love to. Um, Whenever you decide, it's your show, cousin. I'm just here to ride with you and to hopefully bless people with some information. I think there was a question uh, that I saw, uh, something about um, how, do we do, how do you do the offering? Uh, from Sister Nina Lloyd. Um, and, and so just an easy, easy, uh, easy, easy uh, thing is like when you, when, when Spirit uh, gives you the, the energy uh, that you want to do something to maybe uh, do something for a particular feeling that you have, Alicia, that you might have manifesting through you or whatever, then maybe give, you know, water is good for every everybody. Um, so like something, you know, like if you feel Oshun, maybe just some some something with honey and some cinnamon. You know, if you feel something for Shango, maybe just some apples, you know. Um, you feel something for for Ogun, uh, you know, maybe you get something of metal and you put it in, in a bowl and you present it that your life would be as strong as the metal, you know, that you would be able to build like a womb built, you know, and help build uh, society. So, you know, you can use different things if you feel led to to uh, give an offering for a particular energy that you feel. I would just suggest that you look up some of the things that that particular energy accepts so you give them something and give a sincere prayer that even though you're not initiated or have received it, that, you know, that particular energy will work on your behalf and assist you. That's just something very, very important. And from, from my understanding, it's only by, by divination for those who are initiated that Evo, that sacrifice is determined and, and is a way of marking you know, sort of a, a grocery list, for lack of better words, of what spirit might be asking for, might be standing up for. Uh, but but that's for people who are deeper mm-hmm. into the tradition, uh, who Correct. are committed to the tradition, you know, at a much more personalized level. Um, 
you, 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 it was almost like you were reciting uh, Ose Ifa, and, and you did every day except Obasalab. And so you yes. might give, you know, white offering, you know, yes. white cloth, white candle, white food, you mm-hmm. know, to feed, placate that, that power and that spirit. And, of course, right. always your ancestors, uh, things tend to, tend to be personalized. So mm-hmm. we could say coffee, water, rum, mm-hmm. you know, of course, food, mm-hmm. flowers, fruit, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. produce. Uh, but, mm-hmm. but then it can be much more specific uh, if you're feeding particular ancestors, you know, those maybe that you knew, great-grandparents even, you know, and you knew they had a, a favor for one thing or, or, or the other. So there, mm-hmm. there are ways to, in a general sense, always feed and placate and acknowledge uh, spirit in a way that doesn't have any negative uh, repercussions to it. And I like how um, Cousin said, you know, do some research. Don't be afraid to do some research. And don't assume the first thing that shows up in the search engine. Oh, my goodness. There's just too many authentic practitioners who are as easily available through your device as mm-hmm. Google and Bing, mm-hmm. that you can get real responses from, real truth mm-hmm. from, about how we mm-hmm. operate in, you know, in the tradition. I also like uh, fire, offerings of fire, depending on the circumstance. Uh, fire is a very powerful element in, in voodoo, and not just when we're, you know, invoking ogu, for instance, but mm-hmm. the, the ability to... Uh, not only destroy, to get rid of, to remove, but also to create and recreate from fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way we produce metals, the way we produce mm-hmm. fine gold and, and silver, you know, the mm-hmm. ability to use fire uh, in its appropriate connotation, you know, mm-hmm. is another powerful um, offering mm-hmm. that we, we sometimes give or sometimes make. I'm always just a little bit uncomfortable sharing certain information because I, I, I just have this feeling somebody's going to hear it and do the wrong thing, hear it and burn their house down, you know, mm-hmm. hear it and, and misapply it. And, and that's what makes mm-hmm. me uncomfortable about uh, Google search and mm-hmm. being search uh, students. The biggest thing, though, is for people to understand that regardless of all of that, the first sacrifice they can make or the first offering that they can make is sincerity in prayer. If you are truly sincere in your prayers to whatever energy you are feeling at the time, if you're not, you know, initiated or have received this particular research, then sincere prayers will be the first thing that you can do. If you have an ancestor author, sincere prayers to your ancestors and sit down and speak to them as you would speak to anybody else and say, this right here is my issue, this is my challenge, this is my struggle, and I need you to guide me through. Mm -hmm. I need you Mm -hmm. because of your experience, you who have gone through the experiences in life, the blood that runs through my veins, you who have lived the life before me, you whose example has led, let me complete 
strength, the courage, the endurance to move forward mm-hmm. through this time and make wise choices, choices that are in alignment with my destiny to be able to move forward and I overcome say. this situation. I you, say. my ancestors, you, the I ones say. who love me, please do not let me fall. Do not let our families fall. Give us what we need to push through forward I to make oh. manifest what we need. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. And if you can, by all means, recite names yes. when we're talking about your ancestors, when we're talking about the spirit, when we're talking about Loa, when we're talking about Arisha, that you, that you have a relationship with, because it's about building relationships, and call them by name. And, and, and in the case where you don't know names, I, I invoke the spirit, the power, the wisdom of ancestors, both known and, and unknown, you know, in, in all things. So uh, I hope we address the offering question, at least from a general standpoint. We got many people on the phone lines, but no one has raised their hand. 845-277-9143. And, of course, you can follow the StreamYard link and join us here on screen with your question, comment, or request. I'll be more than happy to bring you in and let you share space with us here on today's podcast. Otherwise, I'm going to be uh, moving forward in about uh, seven minutes. And please, let let, uh, let my cousin know the feedback that you have from our getting together and doing the show together. Give, them, you know, give us some feedback on maybe even some topics that you would like to, to, to talk about so we can you know, possibly incorporate those topics in some of the shows as well. Yeah. You know, so we it's it's important that you guys are are a part of this the the show. You're taking the time to sacrifice to sacrifice your time to come and hopefully grow, learn with us. And so you know, sacrifice is a is a a thing of of energies, right? You give and you, you, you take, you know, you get. And so we want to be able to make sure that that uh, some topics, you know, can be blessed, you, that, that you all have topics blessed as well. Mm-hmm. And Sandra Fraser, how does that work? I think um, maybe my cousin and I both sort of collectively responded to that. Um, but I'm going to say a little bit more momentarily. S. Marie, um, there are many... Uh, deities Loa and Orisha that like cigars and, and whiskey. And if you are indeed um, uninitiated, and forgive me because it's hard for me to remember who's working with me and to what degree, because um, I know you and I have a relationship beyond the show, F. Marie. Um, I just can't remember right now where we are in, in things. But I'm going to assume that if we are working together, we're doing ancestors. Mm-hmm. So those cigars, that whiskey, that coffee, that water, that produce, that flowers, go to your ancestors. Listen, my godparents coming into this, and, and many of them, I said, baby, you're getting by, you're getting by on your ancestors. Well, you know, just no offense, just, just set what we know about Loa to the side, what we know about Arisha to the side or what we assume that we understand, 
you know, as African-Americans about how these, these deities work, most of us, many of us, if not all of us, are getting by on our ancestors. Mm-hmm. And, and then that initiation, that training, that experience, that knowledge of interacting with spirit develops. So, you know, if you're asking your question, you know, who likes cigars and whiskey, uh, sort mm-hmm. of from an intuitive, empathic perspective, um, mm-hmm. I would say feed your ancestors. And don't be afraid, y'all, to go to the cemetery. Think about it. Plan it out. These are things that have to be a part of your life, your lifestyle. I know where at least five cemeteries are within the range of my house. Mm-hmm. I also know where my ancestors are buried. My mother's mother's mother and father, and my father's father, mother and father. I know where they're buried. And then I know to some extent beyond that where they are. So I make that a part of my practice. And when I can't, you know, travel up the highway, you know, and go out into the rural areas where many of my great, great, greats are, um, I, I go to what's available here, you know, within my community. You know, mm-hmm. and, and, and show due respect. Don't take or leave plastic in the cemetery. Mm-hmm. Don't take or leave metal cans and, and trash in the cemetery. Be, be very respectful. Mm-hmm. People are already uncomfortable you know, that we're doing what they don't quite understand. So be respectful. Leave organic things. Leave things that are naturally going to break down, food products, flowers, mm-hmm. you know, and feed your ancestors at least once a year. Yes. Um, many of us families, you know, had the summer vacation, summer break. Many mm-hmm. of us traveled back home during the summer break. Uh, I grew up in the DMV. Many of you know that. I was born in Chicago, grew up in the DMV, and then we would come down south every, every summer. We would come down south and have the, uh, you know, sort of the the, the family reunion. And it's Mm -hmm. from that, even before I was initiated, that I developed the the rhythm Mm -hmm. and the practice and the ritual of at least annually going home to that land and talking Mm -hmm. to them, feeding them presenting offering to them. And then as a part of my regular four-day week, you know, there's a day, you know, that we acknowledge ancestors, that we acknowledge Egum. And and so I have ancestral shrine in the house. In fact, Mm -hmm. I have three ancestral shrines in the house, two upstairs on either side of the house and then one uh, more general one downstairs that's open to um, my clients that, that come and go, you know, where we acknowledge and feed their ancestors. Uh, I'm often asked, what do you do with produce once it goes bad? I then have an outside shrine in my backyard for a goon where I carry that. So all my organic material goes back to nature, goes back into the ground. Um, it's a hole in the ground. It might sound familiar to my cousin. It's a hole in the ground, and it's got a, a cinder block on top of it, so the hole has never closed. Um, in fact, the hole was created by termites that ate up a tree, a huge tree that used to be in the yard. That's been gone since Hurricane Katrina. Um, so I just dropped that cinder block down in that hole, and it's at the foot of a palm tree. Um, Shango loves palm trees. 
And uh, that's where I take that spent produce, that coffee that, you know, within a day develops mold on it. That's where I take, you know, those products. I never discard them in my house. I never pour them in my sink, in my toilet, in my trash, in my house. We take that outside. We remove that. And, and then, of course, there's cemeteries. And some of you might not have access to a cemetery. You might live, you know, I don't know where you might live where you don't have access. You might not have access to a private cemetery or a cemetery where you feel comfortable. You might have cemeteries that have too much security watching you, so you might feel a little bit uncomfortable. But then there's nature. Then there's the river, the stream, the ocean, the lake, the wood, the sacred tree, the sacred rock. Uh, When I lived in Denver, Colorado back in the past life, I used to love to go up into the mountains. We had sacred spots up in the mountains, little caves and cubby holes and places where we could get, you know, mountain water from, you know, just reconnect, you know, with the magic that lies in nature. Um, So that's what I would do with the spent offering. Um, And one more thing before I pass the mic. Um, Ooh, beloved cousin. Have you ever had produce that just won't die? Yes. I have a a watermelon that just Mm -hmm. won't die. It still looks fresh. The watermelon has been on the altar four months. Mm -hmm. The oranges have been on the altar five months. Yes. And they've petrified. You know, they, they rock hard, but they, they have their color, they have their shape, there's no mold, there's no mildew. It's, it's almost no, like no. spirit mummified them mm-hmm. without us doing anything to it. Okay. I've, had, I've had liquor, because some liquor, some coffee, some water, I pour on the ground, mm-hmm. even at the shrines or on the ground. But mm-hmm. some offerings I put in cups. Mm-hmm. I've had coffee crystallized. I mean, no mold, no just crystallized, like rock candy. I've mm-hmm. had liquor crystallized, turn completely hard, mm-hmm. uh, like a rock. You know, no, no, doesn't go bad. You know, and so I don't disturb those products. That's right. They say I want that. They Yeah, <laughs> I don't disturb those products, or I then incorporate those products into grigri. And, yes. and, and other forms of work. Um, mm-hmm. But then I've had coffee, you know, four hours. It's got mold on it. Yep, yep, yep. And so people say, well, what does that mean? You know, some things the, the, the ancestors accept. Some things the ancestors don't accept. They can be moody and temperamental because they are or have had a human incarnation. You know, mm-hmm. so sometimes they, they're satisfied and sometimes they're not. And that's where mm-hmm. Obi Obata comes in. Obiabasa. And I like Obiabasa with cola nuts, by the way, cousin. Mm-hmm. I, I can use cowrie shells, but, I, but I, if I can get the, the cola nut, I do. Mm-hmm. Many of my clientele bring cola nuts into the house when they come to visit. So, I like to, do, yeah, so I like to do Obiabasa yes. with, with the ancestors using real cola nuts mm-hmm. and ask, you know, is this enough? Is this acceptable? Mm-hmm. You know, is this offering, you know, meeting the needs of, of this moment in time space? Mm-hmm. And watch their responses, you know. And it's, it's crazy in a magical way. It's crazy 
what they say yes to, what they say no to, and, and we, then we look at how it manifests on the table. You mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. So um, we live in magic. We are magic. If, if you break down the science of why we're here and how we're living and how mm-hmm. we're breathing and how our body works, and we, we this is nothing but magic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> science don't mm-hmm. make any sense. Science is not practical. <laughs> you know, how the universe is spinning and holding itself in place is magic. It's magic. But, right. but, you know, we're being influenced. You know, we're being reprogrammed by technology. And I think there's a reason for that. We, we're evolving again as humanity. And some fear we might be interemerging with technology. Humanity mm-hmm. might be intermerging with data systems. You know, we're now wearing chips. I, all your dogs got a chip. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're beginning to sort of merge. Um, you know, again, it's, it's a two-edged sword. On the one hand, I can say, oh, wow, that's scary. That's dangerous. That, you know, mm-hmm. and it is in the wrong hand. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it, it's Data, technology, that's far. That's far. So, so we've always mm-hmm. had data. We've always had technology. We've always had this higher energetic system of learning, which was often reserved for the initiated, the, the, the private society. You know, we now say Illuminati, which is really a general word, you know, mm-hmm. of, of enlightenment that could really encompass many groups, mm-hmm. including Ifa. You know, mm-hmm. Ifa could be considered Illuminati, you know, if mm-hmm. we look at how Illuminati is perceived by many people today. And I believe Illuminati, if there indeed is a thing, is available to all people whose consciousness has sort of been open. But how you use that enlightenment... Mm-hmm. How you use that enlightened energy, how you use that enlightened information separates the good from the bad. It separates those who would otherwise oppress and control the world versus those of us who are using aspects of of this science to heal and to restore and to return people back to, you know, back to a healthy state where we indeed are then able to advance in, in technology, but in a way that, that's healthy. And, and, you know, just as we're working to eliminate, you know, cancer, let's, let's continue to work to eliminate the cancers that plague ourselves and our communities, that keep us from being healthy, that keep us from being prosperous, that keep us from developing, you know, villages that, that support the, the grassroots structure. Please, if you local, contact me, call me. We got three community gardens over here and my own garden. You know, we need help sometimes. We need hands sometimes. But we also like to share. You know, I've given away my kumquats. I've given away my, my little hot peppers, the ones you see in the Popeye's Chicken TV commercials. You know, I got a couple of bushes of those in my yard. You know, I've given away just pounds of beans. I still have beans and lentils and rice and popcorn, you know, that I can share, you know, indeed, if you're here locally. Um, I'm learning to better use the mail. Arisha and a few others are helping me sort of get that together. 
I'm a little slow on the mail, but I'm doing better. I've got to get a better system together. I mm-hmm. do not have a car. So, you know, Ubering or walking, it's always something mm-hmm. in between me and the post office. So mm-hmm. if I have a supporter watching, listening, you want to gift me with a car, I, I, I would certainly appreciate that. <laughs> I really would. But um, getting herbs, getting seeds, getting um, organic materials into the mail and, and sending that out to people um, is something that I'm striving to do. Let me look at the calendar. <clears throat> Between now and, and the 14th, mm-hmm. uh, I also have some people who are waiting on pots. We do our ancestral work here, um, cousin. Uh, one of the implements, or I should say some of the implements that I mail back to the client are clay pots. Uh, they're right behind me. I don't know if y'all can see them. So two of them like this. Mm-hmm. One would be for, okay. you know, maternal lineage. The other would mm-hmm. be for paternal lineage. Mm-hmm. And then one like this. Mm-hmm. And I call this the, the mouth of creation or the container of life. Mm-hmm. And in this is where we keep our cola nuts, mm-hmm. our four cowrie shells, our implements that we use to do obiabasa mm-hmm. when we communicate with, with the ancestors. Okay. So that slowed down, obviously, right at the middle of what, towards the, yeah, at the middle of February of last year, that slowed down uh, because mm-hmm. of COVID-19. And so many of the botanicas are really just now getting uh, some of those products, you know, back on the shelves. So mm-hmm. getting things in the mail right now is, is what I'm striving to complete in, in, in the next seven days, along with the other things that are, uh, that are on my, on my uh, to-do list. Okay, I'm trying to follow the chat. Give me a second, y'all. I think I fell behind. Uh, Queen, uh, it was like Queen Sheba, I believe it was. Uh, who, who is it that you want to get the contact information to? She had a question about how do we contact you. So I'm not sure who she wants to contact. Okay, I tried. I, I did put my email address, Divine Prince, at houseofthedivineprince.com in the chat. And that's how I prefer that you contact me. I also have a contact sheet or a contact link, if you will, on my website at www.houseofthedivineprince.com. Divine, D-I-V-I-N-E, Prince, P-R-I-N-C-E dot com. And you can also contact me uh, that way. You know, I welcome you to reach out to me in social media, wherever you all may be following me, but I'm only going to copy and paste a link back to my my email. Uh, My cousin's information, he can speak for himself, but I also place the name of his Elay the location, the phone number, and the Gmail address in the chat, beloved. 
but you can still repeat it again um, for yourself so they don't know how to contact you. Uh, sure. Uh, I just put up my email address. Uh, one of them is I-N-N-E-R-K-O-N-S-C-I-O-U-S at gmail.com. Another one is Ile, I-L-E-I-S-E-S-E. Ile Isheshe Oladeji is O-L-A-D-E-J-I. So all one word. Ile Ifa Oladeji at gmail.com. Uh, and I believe that my cousin put up my phone number, so you're more than welcome to call or text me first, though, so I know who's calling me in case, you know, I don't like answering the phone if I don't know who's number, you know, who's number yeah. pops up. Um, so just text me and let me know that it's for that, and I'll be happy to take your call yeah. and, uh, and and speak to you if anybody uh, desires DAFA uh, or what we call, like, you know, reading, divination, reading, I'll be happy uh, to do that. And then, according to what Ifa says, then we see what we have to do to move forward. So I'm always happy to uh, assist in any way that I can. And uh, I look forward to anyone uh, that desires to do that. And uh, that's it. I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be here again. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm grateful for my cousin and his work. Uh, he's doing absolutely wonderful work down there. Uh, my daughter wants to come down there now, and so my daughter and I will will make a trip probably within the next few months to go down there and spend some time. And so uh, she wants some food, cousin. So you know, I hope you know all the all the all the good joints are, because she she can eat almost like well, she can eat. Yeah. I don't know about me now. <laughs> And and I'm gonna be honest, the best cooks in New Orleans are at home. Okay. Okay. Local New Orleans don't eat at the restaurant, don't eat at the nest, the tourist spot. You know, occasionally, you know, you you, you get a feel for going out, but mm-hmm. the best food is not, in my opinion, is not at the restaurant. It's okay. At, it's okay. at people's houses. <laughs> it's at people's houses. It's at the church. It's at the second line. It's on the street. It's at the mm. event. Oh, yeah, when they have a second line, it, it, all of a sudden, guys show up out of nowhere like magic with rolling carts, barbecue grills on, on wheels with, with ribs and andouille and all kind of stuff on there. Um, you know, just it's, it's crazy. A second line can happen in a matter of minutes. Um, of course, the family knows the second line is going to happen. The, the brass band knows the second line is going to happen. And there might be a core group of friends, family, community that know the second line is going to happen. But for the most part, most people don't know it until you hear the brass band. And then you okay. run out into the street. And so you, you, you see the, the beer man with, with a cooler on wheels full of beer, full of mm-hmm. cold drinks. Y'all say soda, y'all say pop, we say cold drinks. Full of cold drinks, you know, full of liquor. And, and, and just as quick as the second line starts, everybody's gone. Wow. Once it rolls through, everybody, everybody disappears, and the neighborhood goes back to normal. I try to share it on TikTok. I try to share it on, on Facebook and Instagram. It's a powerful experience to live in New Orleans. I, I don't mean to, sound, to brag or sound 
a presidential, which I am presidential, <laughs> uh, to my own city. But, man, I've, I've lived all over America. Let me be clear. A kid on the street at 14 and then living from coast to coast, east to west, north to south, I've lived everywhere for the most part. It's nothing like New Orleans. New Orleans is the most African city in America. New Orleans is the most northernest Caribbean city in America. You know, you can pull fruit off the trees here, bananas and, and mango and kumquats. <laughs> you know, depending mm-hmm. on what, what neighborhood you're in, it's just nothing like it. Um, mm-hmm. And so that feel that I get for the motherland is somehow satiated here. Mm-hmm. I'd love to go to Africa. I'm planning to go to Africa. I, I would appreciate support to go to Africa. If you're in Africa and you can get us there, we'll, we'll come. But, man, I feel Africa in Congo Square. I feel Africa in the architecture of New Orleans, in their mm-hmm. rhythm and the beat and the energy um, of the city of New Orleans. So it, for me, for me, it just it placates that feeling for home. Uh, mm-hmm. Ziggy Marley, Dreams of Home, that those dreams of Africa – for me, that, that is fulfilled to some degree here. And I know mm-hmm. we have a purpose here. You know, it, it, it's great to be able to return to the motherland. It's great to be able to visit other places outside of, you know, the U.S. and our experience. But indeed, there is room for people like us to really develop our culture mm-hmm. right here and, and make it that much more rich, that much more accessible and further develop our relationship with nations and communities outside the country. So I work every day to build relationships with Nigeria and with Ghana and with Honduras and and, and with black people who practice these traditions in other parts of the world. I have a great Mm -hmm. relationship with uh, Brazil. I have a house in Brazil, uh, if I didn't tell you. I have a voodoo house in Brazil. It's being run by Brazilian female voodoo practitioners. Um, Voodoo is just as rare in, in, in Sao Paulo, Brazil, as it is in America, wow. to give you some idea. It, it, is, it is surrounded by Candoble, and Candoble is, you know, a little closer to Ifa, you know, in the Americas as opposed to what we call voodoo. So they separate voodoo and Ifa in, in Brazil, much like they do here um, in, in the U.S. Uh, I don't want to ignore y'all's questions. Um, Sandra Frazier, absolutely, please email me. I'll be glad to um, counsel with you. Queen Sheba, I hope we answered your question. You should know how to reach either of us. Um, River, if Baron comes to your dreams, uh, it could be a message. Uh, I always suggest people journal. It's really hard to take one isolated dream and sort of make a whole lot out of it if you're not journaling your dreams regularly. Because, because again, everybody has a unique inner symbolism that spirit speaks to you as. And sometimes you need to see it more than once. You know, you see a dream, you have a dream, and then you experience something in the real life. And then you begin to put those pieces together. Sometimes they don't always speak clearly in a dream. Hey, go right. Stop. You know, rarely do, do the spirits speak to us, even God, speak to us in, in dreams in that way. 
So you got to um, record those dreams, write down those dreams. I would even suggest to some degree what else is going on in your life, you know, each day as these dreams sort of happen, and you'll get a better understanding of what that message is. Um, I'm not a fear monger, but, but when you say bear on, let's be clear. You're talking about the dead. But Baron mm-hmm. is a representative of, of the dead, and he's a darker representative of the dead. He's a much more aggressive and, and hot, petrol, aggressive um, demonstration of the dead, mm-hmm. as, as opposed to Papagete, mm-hmm. which is considered to be above ground in the daylight, a little more friendlier and easier to accept. But when you say Baron, that gives it a sense of gravity that I, I don't want to promote without knowing the other details that are happening in these dreams that involve their eyes. I mean, it could be predicting death. It could be predicting your own death. It could be predicting the death of someone else. So um, you want to be clear about what's being said. If mm-hmm. indeed it's their eyes that, that uh, you're seeing and, and experiencing. Um, there was another question. Uh, where did it go? All right, Queen Sheba. I went to Bradbury Heights Elementary School. I went to Francis Scott Key uh, Junior High, but they've changed the name to something else now, Francis Scott Key. I went to Suitland Senior High, which they've changed the name to, like, Suitland Technical School or something or another. Yeah, I'm, I was educated in the DMV. Um, I like to talk about flowers, Eve, Eve by you, because, you know, if you prepare your flowers right, well, I shouldn't say right, in, in specific ways, um, they too can be preserved. I like to hang my flowers upside down, you know, um, put, take that rubber band and, and stick a push pin through it and pin it to the wall over the shrine. And I let those flowers dehydrate naturally. And often I can keep, like, roses. I can keep roses for years if they're prepared properly. You know, so I try not to let flowers just die. Um, you know, I'm into edible plants, medicinal plants, airway. Um, so I'm not into, you know, just sort of not finding a way to best utilize or recycle vegetation. So I don't put my flowers, you know, in water and stand them up and sort of let them die like that on my altar. Um, I try and preserve them to the best of my ability ahead of time going in. And my grandmother, may she rest in her room, um, she used to spray hairspray on her flowers, but not while they fresh. Once they dehydrate, she would spray a little hairspray on them, and it would keep them together. You know, every now and then I put rose oil you know, on the flowers to give them some some freshness, uh, you know, refreshed uh, fragrance. So, yeah, I find a way to do something with with my flowers. Queen Ashley, greetings, beloved. I think I just put the connection together. Okay, another one of my clients and godchildren is burning of ancestor money something that is actually helpful or is it just a trend? Um, now, I'm not going to assume what my cousin's going to say, because we ain't never talked about this before. 
So I'm going to give my answer, and then I'm going to let him give his answer. And, and again, I have no idea what he might say. Um, but for me, it's a trend. It's a trend. I can't go back in history. I can't go back in time. I can't go back in archaeology and documentation and find any ritual practice of burning money. Our people didn't even have relationship to money in the way that we sort of symbolize it today. If indeed they had money, it was cowrie shells. It was it was natural. It was it was cola nut. It, it was palm oil. If indeed you know money, monetary value came into the picture. So I would say no, but I would also say that if you are offering libation, offering palm oil, offering from your reserve of rum, offering from your reserve of of, of goods, you're giving value. You're still giving away, you know, your monetary value. But the trending thing of, of burning this fake money, this Chinese money, this foreign money, no, that's a trend in my opinion. That that's a new thing. It's visible. Um, it's something that, you know, it's easy to throw up on Twitter or or Instagram or TikTok. Uh but but that's a new thing. Okay. From the traditional perspective of response, I agree exactly with my cousin said and we do not have any type of anything like that for the burning of the money. From the other side, from my inner conscious spiritual sense, so if I have different people from different ways of, of operating through their spiritual methodologies. I have seen it work for them. They do different things and rituals with it, and I've seen, you know, that some money has come uh, for it. For us in traditional side, we go to Ajay, who is the daughter of Olofun, of and we do offerings to Ajay in order to facilitate, and to Olofun, and to, uh, to uh, Oshun, mm-hmm. in order for us to be facilitating money in the traditional sense. So I agree with my cousin, and then on the other side, I have seen people who do that practice, and the practice, you know, they, they've been able to make it successful at, at whatever level. Thank you, Connie, for that. Um, Craig Burns, I have no idea what you're talking about. There is no Haitian ritual that I'm aware of that involves tear gas. Um, that's a rumor at, at best. And, and I'm, again, I'm saying that considering I've never, ever heard that um, from, from a Haitian. I've never heard that from an American who's traveled to Haiti. Um, that, that's just not true, in my opinion. Um, I could see how a rumor of sorts could sort of grow out of patient history, you know, with, with rioting and, and, and wars and tear gas and, you know, protesters and, and sort of things um, in that sense. But um, I'm not understanding Haitian tear gas. Now, chili and, and brandy and rum, yeah. Um, there is a practice of steeping, uh, you know, almost like you pickling peppers in liquid. 
in in liquor, in, in high value alcohol liquor. Um, and so if someone is under possession of a particular deity, it's really easy to tell if someone is faking, if they are rubbing that mixture in their eyes or if they're consuming um, that mixture without getting sick or without having some sort of immediate response to it. So, um, yeah, chili and brandy is a practice. Uh, Santeria, Lukumi, Sanse, Maria Leoza, you find that out throughout the Americas, wherever you find the footprint for ATR. And sometimes, cousin, I use voodoo as a sort of an umbrella word for all of ATR. Mm-hmm. Because when you talk to a Christianized Nigerian, uh, Ifa voodoo to them, they, they don't make no distinction between voodoo in some cases, they don't make a distinction between witchcraft and, and Ifa if they've been, you know, really Christianized or, or Islamicized to some degree. Indeed. Indeed. But it, it really has to do with ethnic group and language. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Ifa is specific to Yoruba. Akan is specific, you know, to, to, to the Akan people and the ethnic groups of, of that Akan umbrella mm-hmm. um, and, and so on. So sometimes I say voodoo and it's an umbrella word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that peppers and liquor, yeah. Even the story of Marie Laveau is said to have uh, overturned, defeated uh, legal cases with hot peppers, hot guinea peppers. And she would actually, you know, sort of amalgamate Catholic practices and voodoo. And it is said that she would go into uh, the, the church of uh, Guadalupe here. Mm-hmm. I shot from my house, uh, mm-hmm. three blocks from my house, and she would pray at the altar, and she would light her candles, and she would put uh, three guinea peppers in her mouth, and she would pray. She believed that her suffering, her sacrifice, her elbow would get her prayers through, you know, mm-hmm. to heaven, would get her prayers through to, to Orun, to, to use to use Yoruba. So, yeah, there are all kind of usages of prayer, of, of peppers, um, and, and different substances, things that are sweet. You know, sometimes I might put honey on a client's tongue. Sometimes I might put pepper on a client's tongue, depending on the old and what the issue, request, block, blessing is that might be present, you know, on the board. Uh, uh, we got about... 30 seconds, beloved. You want to say some peace and blessings before we wrap it up? Thank you, Will, and good night. <laughs> oh, this is a blessing. <laughs> oh, Dabo. And I look forward mm-hmm. to meeting with you, connecting with you here at high noon, U.S. Central Standard Time, next time for Revolutionary Hoodoo, New Orleans Voodoo Secrets and Recipes, along with my beloved cousin and some E5 history and tradition and education and I look forward to meeting with you again. Remembering that all is truly and indeed a blessing if you can just see beyond the veil. I should. I should. Thank you. I appreciate you. Enjoy your day. All right. I've already got Yeah, I've already got people here waiting, so I've got to run. Thank you. Peace and blessings. Peace and blessings.
Thank you, Blog Talk Radio uh, listeners and participants. I certainly appreciate you for your listenership and your consistency here with me at High Noon, U.S. Central Standard Time. Until next time, Congo Square. Congo Square. The almost Indians, the Omus Indians prepared this place for us centuries before our arrival, a sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. The Omus Indians prepared this place for us centuries before our arrival. Congo Square, a sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. And as the colonizers came, our host, the Omus Indians, they pushed aside our host. The colonizers came and pushed aside our host and introduced us in chains. And by the late 1700s, we somehow, recognizing the sacredness of Le Place de Congo, we somehow, and the how of our somehow persuasive methodologies is not clear at this moment. The how is not clear. How our persuasive methodologies worked is not clear at this moment. But nevertheless, even as slaves, we crafted and created a space where we could be free to be we. And thusly, thusly we countered the sacrilegiousness of the French, giving great homage to our ancestors as well as giving praise and thanks to our red-blooded brothers and sisters. This is an oral libation toast to Congo Square, to Native Americans, to our ancestors who made a circle out of a square and gave us a way to stay ourselves, save ourselves from the transformatory ugliness of America, which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life and celebrates death with crosses and crosses, double and triple crosses, the middle passage, the first cross, Christianity, the double cross, and capitalism, the ultimate triple coup de grace cross of our captivity. But the terror of crosses notwithstanding, we sang, we beat, we be, we was and is. Hail Congo Square. Congo, Congo Square. Our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated inside the beat of us. Inside the beat of us, our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated, retreated inside the beat of us until we are ready to release them into a world that we recreate, a world harrowed by the beat. Be, B, 
being, beating, being of black heart drums. Heart beat. Heart beat. Heart beat at this place. At this place, beat, heart beat, beat. We beating place in new world space. Beating, being in place in new world, preserving our ancient pace. Our dance is the God walk. Our music, the God talk. First thing we do, let's get together. Circle ourselves into community. No beginning, no end. Connected together and singing, ringing, singing in a ring. Second, let's be original, aboriginal. Be what we were before we became what we are. Be bambula dance. Be bonza music. And sing song words which have no English translation. Third, let us remember. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. The bounce, the blood, flow, the feel, the spirit, grow, energy. Must retain and pass on the essential us-ness that others want to dissipate with out of us. But no matter... No matter how much of us they prohibit, no matter how much of us they prohibit, deep inside us is us. Deep inside us is us. Remains us inside and needs only the beat to set us free. The beat to free us. It is morning. A sun day, a feel, a feel without shade, but dark, dark with the people black of us in various, various, various shades, eclipsing the sun with our elegance. We are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us to remember, to beat, to be. We are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us to remember. To beat, to be, beat, Congo Square, B.
Remember. Yeah. 